Hi, uh, this is uh, Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And uh, this is episode 7, Two Teachers Talking, where Charles and I get together to uh, talk about teaching, uh, ideas that work, ideas that don't, um, stuff that still confuses us, and other things that uh, teachers often just don't talk about. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, the software that we rely on, uh, mostly in the classroom, just to get us through. And it might be a long one because this is a subject that... Uh, well, for a change, it's something that we know about. But that's really <laughs> true. That's because we do know our software. But, but also something that we really enjoy. Hi, so those out there listening, finally you're going to hear us talk about something that we think we know about. <laughs> yeah, very true. And um, hang around uh, until the end of the show because there'll be some um, some uh, giveaways. So we've got a little Christmas in June or July for you guys. Uh, and there'll be uh, some giveaways toward the end, so don't go away. So, Chuck, what do you do? Well, what do you use in class? What's, uh, let's uh, get right into the, the topic here. Well, I think I'm going to start off with, you know, what kind of equipment do I walk into the classroom first? Because mm. that'll maybe set things up. Is I'm a dual user. I have an iPad and a MacBook Air uh, that I use, and everything is going into a projector. I use the projector a lot with my students and in mm. class. So... Um, that really kind of controls a lot of what I do is I think kind of the equipment I'm using, but most, a lot of what I'm doing is, um, first off, the most important thing I've got that I'm always using is Dropbox, mm. which is, I think one of the great pieces of, uh, what, what do you call it? What is it? Is it software or would you call it engineering, Tony? Where would you put that? Uh, cloud service, maybe? Mm. It's a, it's a, it is it is software, and it's a, you know, it's yeah. an app that's on your machine, and it's a, it's basically just a, a a folder, which can in which can be nested any number of folders, but it's a folder that um, syncs to the cloud, and to any other computer or device that you've got, and you know, a computer, that's or the key. an iPad, or or your phone, right? That's the key. Is that unlike something like. Microsoft SkyDrive, which is mainly, I think, a syncing mm -hmm. device. The great thing about Dropbox, and I love it, and people I know love, is the fact that you, if you put it on four different computers and you work on anything that you is in that folder, it syncs to all your computers. Yeah, yeah so, invaluable to you know, so that you've got that wherever you are, whatever device you're on, and you know, something that I, I don't consciously think of. Oh, of course, I use Dropbox too. Um, but uh, that I don't consciously think of, but it's you know it's an excellent backup service as well. Well, well that's how no, I think in it's one lost. sense I really use it is that that's why I love it. In the fact, when I said that, unlike some other cloud services, it's backed up on all my computers. Yeah. It but so the negative side is that it takes up space on each of your machines. Right. But I have that same Dropbox folder. I have a in my office. I'm running a Windows machine that I put together and built. Uh, that, by the way, definition of geek right there. <laughs> um, and then I have it on my MacBook Air, and it works on the iPad. Uh, and I have it on my different other laptops that I use, and so that every one of those is saving all my important files. Well, and not only that, when you're, when you're <laughs> I can't imagine the situation, but when you're without one of your own devices, uh, you're at, at somebody else's machine, you've got access to all that on the web as well. Yes, yes, yes. Good point. I was, forgot to mention that you can access it with the web browser. Yeah, and, and so, even more, not only, and, and wait, there's more. Um, not only is it there, but it also on the web, 
uh, web access, it keeps previous versions yes, as well. Yes, yes, So you, you can, can go back in back. time. Yes, that's a great thing. So not that we ever make mistakes or anything, but no, in the event that I you ever make a mistake, <laughs> make right? a mistake yeah. you that's, can not, that's a whole episode in itself. It's nice okay, having so. that little secret box of undos up there. Right, it, it does have that. That's excellent, and you can get it get to it in the web. And I don't ever ha- I never take a USB stick around anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which actually, in some ways, I'm thinking is much better for your security. One thing is my spreadsheets where I keep roll and I keep my grades is in my Dropbox folder. Mm. If that's on a USB stick because I'm moving between different machines or I'm moving into different classes, because sometimes there are situations where I don't have access to my machine, I'd be using a USB stick and I lose that USB stick with student names and student identification numbers. Mm. It might not be the best thing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think everybody, you and I would both agree, Dropbox is, I think, everyone's favorite at this point. Yeah, it's it, it, and uh, it's extremely popular because, not, not, of course, for all the reasons that um, we've talked about, but there's a lot of applications that have been written that are able to connect and use Dropbox automatically, too. Um, so, for example, I don't think we're going to talk about any of these things today, but uh, various kind of note-taking services and other things that automatically hook up and connect with Dropbox. So all those things are synced the same way that your uh, data, that you consciously back up your data that way. Um, A lot of other applications use that Dropbox functionality as well. Right. I know that's true, especially for iPad Mm. apps. I have a a note-taking app that automatically uh, sends the upgrade or update to Dropbox. Yeah. And there's, there's a, a and you said there's other that, services too that do the kind of the same thing. Microsoft has that new service, Gaia Drive, whatever it's called, and uh, SugarSync. SugarSync also, yeah, um, yeah. SugarSync is more for power users mm. because in Dropbox you have to put everything into the Dropbox folder, mm-hmm. whereas SugarSync lets you designate which of your folders you want to be synchronized. But works very similar mm-hmm. to in a similar way to. Dropbox. Mm. But if you think that you get 5 gig with Dropbox, you get 5 gig with SugarSync, mm. and Microsoft SkyDrive will give you 7 gig, you suddenly have 17 gigs on in the cloud and 10 gigs on your computer that is being synchronized. That's not a bad deal. Mm. No, not at all. Not at all. And especially for people when you're moving from school to school and you don't you might be using different equipment. It's a nice nice tool. Mm. Okay, so we agree. Dropbox, okay. everybody. Dropbox is everybody's favorite. Gets rave reviews. Good. Um, also, you've mentioned Tony that you've been in contact with them, and they've been very responsive as well. Great service. Really nice service. Right. Good customer service. Okay, so Dropbox is one thing, and this I think is maybe where we get into a little bit of a disagreement. Of course, for grades, I use spreadsheets, mm. and I use some open source software called LibreOffice, which is an offshoot of what used to be called OpenOffice. And I like open source software. So yeah, and you don't use Excel itself. I thought you were an Excel. I try try not to. Uh I really try not to. And um, they're basically equally uh, functionable. Is that such a word? (laughs) No, it is is not. (laughs) It sounds like a word. They have similar functions. Uh, The difference is that... uh, LibreOffice is free. Mm-hmm. It's a a suite. It comes with presentation software, spreadsheet, te- a tech word processor, 
and a database kind of application. And open source software, basically, for those people who are not familiar with it, is written by people and the code is free. It's distributed for free. People can take it, adapt it, and change it. And if they want to sell it and make money off it, they can, but they can't control how other people downstream use the software. And the reason I'm real supportive of it is that I think it helps bridge a little bit about the digital divide because there are some students who come from families that don't have enough money to get them a computer. And if you use open source software and there are operating systems. Linux is an example of an operating system that's open source. You could buy a three-year-old computer, put all open source you know, operating system and software on it, and for something like 4MON, you could have a really good machine. Hmm. So I think it's part of breaking down the digital divide. But you're not too crazy about open source software, right? Yeah, um, I've tr there's a number of things that I've tried, and I've tried to like them and things. But you know, my my biggest quibble, and it, it sounds stupid, maybe, um, but so much of it is so ugly. <laughs> it's really really hard on the eyes, and uh, you know, in contrast to that, you know, to that student that. that uh, theoretical student that you're t hypothetical student you talk about with you're know, trying to get by in a budget which I totally understand um, uh, you and I both use Macs we spend a lot of money on these beautiful machines and you get these beautiful screens and you throw up one of those not, no throw no, up no pun intended when you throw up a screen you know like one of, like some some of the uh, open source stuff that I've seen man that's hard on the eyes and uh, the one that comes to mind, it's really not really germane to our discussion here, but um, an e a free open source um, EPUB converter. So if you're making electronic books um, for use either commercially or uh, just to put on your phone or your iPad, um, I'm not sure the pronunciation, it's Calibre or Calibre. Ah, that one. Oh, man. And yeah, and it's, it works, but it's ugly and clunky and... But it's free, and um, I've, I've looked at uh, LibreOffice and saying, "Well, that's kind of okay. all right." Um, it's getting better. It's yeah, getting better. Yeah, um, but that's a fair point. It's a fair point that. But it's amazing. What I really like was, you know, as you said, the functionality. Um, yeah, here we got a free Office suite that offers basically the same functionality as Microsoft Office suite, and it's great. Yeah. Especially again, if if you know, economy and budget is your biggest concern. Beautiful. Right. It does work that way. And it's fair to the students mm. because some of the students can really afford sure. you know, a lot of it yeah. and um, other students can't. And, okay. then the docu and the documents that, that are created are completely readable by other machines, right? By, by Microsoft. You can, you can save everything as a Microsoft right. document and it's totally readable. And most of the time the formatting doesn't change. There's minor little things that mm -hmm. go wrong. Mm -hmm. But the point is that a spreadsheet required. Yeah. Use it for attendance. Use it for grading. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've I was a big um, user of Excel and still am when I I think when I need to do really you know really heavy calculation and stuff. But mm -hmm. um, um, recently moved over to Numbers, which is the Apple counterpart, you know, the Apple spreadsheet in its suite. Um, and the reason I did this year is well because uh, Numbers offers two things that Excel doesn't. Um, one kind of minor is that you can put a view of various spreadsheets in one window, 
Um, I know that Excel at the bottom, you can have multiple spreadsheets in one document and go from one to the other. But with numbers, you can rearrange them, put them either next to each other or underneath each other. And you can have, if you've got the screen real estate, um, several sheets um, visible at the same time in the same window. Um, So, for example, I could have at the very top um, a spreadsheet which basically includes my semester lesson plan for the classes at that school for that particular day. And then underneath I have uh, the attended, basically the attendance spreadsheet for the, the class lists and things. So that was a big plus. So that way for each, I teach at a different school each day, and for each school I've just got a single document. In it is the lesson plan for the semester and the spreadsheet for each individual classes, attendance, grades, etc., etc. The deal breaker, though, uh, was uh, I think it I think it's a new feature in numbers. I don't know when it was added, but something that I really wanted in Excel but haven't been able to do is to get photos or images of of any kind dropped into a cell in the spreadsheet. And so when I have my student list right next to their name and their student number is a photograph of the student. Ah, uh, that's a nice. Which one. is really nice to have you know, either in class or when you're doing your grades. And a lot of this is related to using a laptop and a lightweight machine. Mm. And I think both, I know, not I think, I know, we both use MacBook Air, yeah. 11-inch MacBook Air. Yeah. And um, kudos to Apple, best machine I think they've ever made. Uh, I love it. It's lightweight. The screen is really good. But in that situation, I really see the advantage of using numbers where you have the picture of your student because I have like the roll sheet and then I have the grade sheet and they're different and I have to resize windows. And if I want the pictures of my students, that's at a different kind of document, like usually a PDF document that I've downloaded from the school. Yeah. And you're going back and forth from one to the other, which is what I always had to do. And just to underscore the, what the difference that it makes for me in terms of workflow and comfort, et cetera. uh, In one week I teach 600 plus students. (laughs) <laughs> so having that picture of the kid next to next to his or her name is a real plus in class. It really helps a lot. Help remember their names, and that makes a real big difference to the students as well. You'll be able to you know pick them out of a crowd. That's that's nice because I probably am not up to six hundred, but if I started doing the math, it's easily ninety a day yeah. times whatever. So three hundred students. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Good point. Okay, so. So you talked Some about doing the projector. Pers- you you, you um, said you, you use the projector a lot. How do you how do you work that? I mean, what do you use and what do you use it for? What do you throw up there? Well, that's because I'm using Moodle. Mm, okay. Okay, and I, I think a lot of people are familiar with Moodle. Again, uh, open source. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moodle is a learning management um, software. It's kind of like Blackboard, I think, would be the closest thing where you could put all your classwork up. Um, students can upload their assignments. They can download things. There's information. There's forums. You can create chat sections. So right away, uh, when I walk into class, I plug the computer in and the whatever we're doing in class that week is on the screen right away. So that's the major reason. And because I do a I teach a bunch of writing classes, and in a lot of classes there is writing or there are some kinds of writing assignments. And that gives me a very easy way to access students' work and put students' work up on the board, and we can all look at it together and go through it. Hmm. So Moodle, for me, is a, is a great saver. 
I like the fact that students can send in their assignments, and if they're absent, they don't have to get those ridiculous emails anymore. Mm. You know which ones I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Dear Professor Wiz, I was absent last week. What is the homework? <laughs> it's like as if you're my only student and I have no other students in the world. And no matter what, it's just you tell, you tell students, uh, go ahead and access the website. Mm. But the other um, reason I'm always plugging the computer in right away and using the projector is um, that we use a lot of um, TED talks. Sure. Sure. Which, by the way, I'm not sure if the quality is as good as it used to be. Mm. Well, it could. It would be hard, right? I mean, just volume-wise. Yeah. I mean, it, early mean, on, actually, every right? every every one was a gem, right? And I, I don't know how. Yes. How do you maintain that? I don't think that's possible. Right. Everyone was a gem, and of course, it's going to you know it's regression to the mean. There's mm. nothing that can be done about that. So those are two things that I definitely use. How about yourself? Do you? use the computer in terms of plugging it into a projector or is it more as a teacher tool versus a teaching tool uh i use it for projection somewhat it's not not a lot um i'll use it maybe in for example with speaking classes uh just kind of as a as a catalyst a little um starter uh, to show like either you know either the still images or something from youtube or you know from ted or something just to to get the fire going, you know, get the, get a little focus. And again, it's great for folks because the, you know, kids are of course so visually oriented. You put something on the screen of, of any kind, whether it's a CRT or LCD or a, a, a pull down screen, um, they're, you know, bam, you've got their attention at least for a little while. Um, mm. and so for those classes, I use it sparingly, I guess, um, use it more, for example, with some very controlled lectures. So for example, um, uh, beginning a, a episode of specific writing uh, classes slash lectures with, uh, with one group of students and using uh, uh, the um, projector a lot for um, kind of mind mapping type things, uh, mm -hmm. brainstorming. Also, uh, in terms of showing them resources on the web, um, for example, citations, and uh, also for... Um, helping them, you know, how to do research itself, you know, different, different techniques, different uses, different websites, uh, different ways to approach a browser, um, all different kind of things that makes their research a little bit easier. They can focus more on their writing. Mm. So uh, hodgepodge. Okay. And in terms of research, uh, I, I teach um, some graduate writing classes also, but even in my regular writing classes, I now have all my students using something called Zotero, which I've mentioned. To oh, okay. Yeah. Again, open source. It basically is a free f version of EndNote, mm -hmm. and all my students love it. It can automatically create bibliographies. It does the in-text citations. It downloads bibliographic information from the internet. It's a great saver. You could use it with Chrome. You could use it with Safari. You could use it with Firefox, and there's a standalone version. Highly recommend Zotero. It's um, but learning curve is intense, but that's a good. Yeah, thing. I, I tried it once, and uh, yeah, it, it was just too intimidating. So like, this is too much trouble to learn, and I kind of passed right. on it. But I've heard a lot of right. people say good things about it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And the other thing I wanted to mention that when you were talking about writing, I, this is a trick I've done, and it's it's one of the. Few, 
you know, Tony, when you think back about, ah, this is something intelligent that I've done. <laughs> I came up with this by myself, is that one of the secrets in writing <clears throat> classes is that we know there's reasonable research that points out that corrective feedback has no effect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what I like to do is I'll put a student's paper up on the board, I'll ask them for their permission, and every student realizes after a while that their paper is going up on the board. And because I have it inside, it's on my Moodle site, and I can access it really easily. And I put it up on a board and I do not put it on a screen. I use a projector and I you, you do this with a whiteboard okay, because what sure. you can then do, you get you see where this yeah, is going, sure. right? Yeah. And then you've got that on the whiteboard and you're doing the corrections on the whiteboard. Mm -hmm. Right? And you're showing how you would fix the paper and correct it. And the students realize after about the second or third time that you are going to erase <laughs> the whiteboard. So they are madly following mm. you mm. and taking notes. And I haven't done the research on this. I haven't actually analyzed it. But I'm beginning to I really feel that the students, by watching me and listening to me make the corrections, that it gets in their heads a little deeper. Oh, I think it's I so, think you're absolutely right. And I think it's a whole different dynamic, right? Rather than getting um, just all the corrections there blump, uh, plumped into their lap, um, seeing the process uh, is a completely different thing, right. I would think. Yeah. yeah, and it's great because they get to see how you correct. Mm. And I get to... We spend a whole class sometimes just correcting papers and they're getting to see how I correct the paper rather mm. than just getting a paper back. But we're kind of moving into this hardware thing. But now the next piece of software I use, and I think you also use this, is Audacity. Mm. Again, open source, interestingly enough. And Audacity is just a free piece of software that allows you to make recordings and make M MP3 recordings and edit your recordings. Mm -hmm. And here's the other thing that I do is I don't, you know, mark up papers and write comments on papers anymore. What I do is I make some marks on the papers and then I use Audacity to record my comments about the papers to the student. I post those up on the Moodle site and the student gets to download the recording and listen to me talk about their paper. Mm. And I, that's another idea. I thought that I came up with independently. I never heard about it. And now I've turned my corrective feedback on their writing also into a listening lesson, mm, yeah. into a listening activity. Sounds nice. It sounds kind of work intensive. No? Actually, I, it's easier. Easier? It's easier than um, writing comments on a paper because I absolutely abhor the, uh, what is it, the edit comment functions in Word or mm. any kind of word processor. I can't make corrections to students' papers using those. Can you? Mm -hmm. The comment function. Um, do you ever use? No, those? no, no. Um, well, not for student paper. I do that. You know, do that for other work. You know, I'm doing like editing work and things like that. The 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 comments and the revisions and things. I use it for that. Uh, I don't use it for students, um, because I don't do that. You know, kind of like line by line um, uh, correction type thing. But um, similarly, in in some ways to what you do, maybe halfway what you do, I use. Uh, something called uh, Dragon Express, uh, okay. which uses the, it's a voice recognition software and uh, allows me to just hit a key combo. I begin recording my voice. It, come, it transcribes that into a small um, uh, text window. And uh, I can either export. There's a couple of buttons that will let you export to um, various applications, either email or a pages document or a Word document. But I just copy and paste. And um, 
not into the student's paper itself, but into just like a, a basic form that I use for evaluating student papers, you know, for the different criteria, whether you know, it's organization, um, usage, um, thoughts itself and content and um, so forth. But uh, yeah, rather than write out each individual comment, I just dictate um, the uh, comments into uh, Dragon Express and work it that way. Uh, the other tool that I use a lot in, in this context is uh, something, it's an application called Text Expander. Okay. Right? And we talked about this a, a long time ago. And um, what this allows you to do is you can create uh, a frequently used block of text. And it could be, for example, a, comment, a student comment, for example, um, you know, paragraph structure should be blah, 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 whatever you want to say about it, or you say this, um, be careful that you're, you're relying too much on computer translation, et cetera, et cetera. And you, to this um, block of text, you just assign a very short, shorthand, I guess a shorthand type phrase. So like maybe, for example, you have a standard comment that you have about paragraphs, right? P-P-A-R. And you just type in P-P-A-R and boom, into your document goes that whole uh, pre-selected set of text. And so you've got a whole set of um, text blocks that are uh, accessible just by a short key combination. Could be things like your credit card number, probably not very secure, or for example, your, your address, um, a standard signature that you use like in your email, um, anything that you want. They've just come out with a new version like, like two days ago, uh, which includes some kind of, um, which I haven't played with yet, but some kind of form filling functionality um so i'm looking forward to playing with that aspect of it but when i've got a, st a stack of student papers um a lot of the comments are the same and i can put together a set of standard comments and uh just very quickly um be able to give the, the student uh, you know a full battery of standard comments and then use the dragon express to make some kind of individual comments about their work Okay, so we're approaching it a little different way. But yeah, anyway, you know, somehow, again, and I, I think the, just maybe take a, a short breath here, um, with uh, technology in the classroom or outside what, with the kind of things that we're doing, um, whether you, you end up with a tech solution or not, what these things, I think, help us to do is to take a good look at the workflow that we use and to see how we can tighten that up, how we can make it easier, what kind of tasks we combine, what can we offload to a machine, right? What is it that we can do to make things easier? Sometimes tech isn't the answer. Um, That's a very good point. Mm. It's a very good point. And workflow is a good point. And a lot of people don't look at their workflow, but I think both of us will, uh, what's the best way of putting it? We're both pretty ruthless, I think, when evaluating a, a piece of software or tech. It's, if it's not going to be more effective or it's not going to save me time, oh, it's gone. why bother? It's gone. Yeah, it's, it's off the hard drive immediately. Yeah. Right. And I have to balance that with the learning curve. Mm. So there's like Zotero is a great example where it's taken me, you know, I don't know how many hours to learn Zotero, but it generates a bibliography within with one key push mm -hmm. for a paper. But that's more for a paper. But I know that for a long time, I used to, I always walk around the classroom until the iPad came out, which I can draw and mark on. And I used to walk around the classroom with a piece of chalk. And if a student asked me a question <laughs> and I needed to diagram something, I just you know pulled out that piece of chalk, wrote on the desk, diagrammed it for the student. And the student looked at it and said, you got it. Take your note and then just wipe the desk with your hand clean. Boom, you're done. Mm. 
So sometimes the best solution is a, a non-tech solution. Right, 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 right. So, but workflow, I think that's something a lot of people don't look at. Mm. Yeah, because you you know you get into a habit, and then something gets tacked on, or then something in the school's procedures or requirements changes, and you you, you change things piecemeal, and then you real you know without looking at the whole, you realize that you're maybe going back and forth from two or different things unnecessarily, or whether it's stacks of paper, doesn't matter if it's one application, another application, or a stack of papers and a file um, on a desk. It you look at exactly what you're doing, that flow, somehow to streamline it, um, pare it down and make it as efficient as possible because, you know, teachers, we need every second we've got. Yeah, that's very true. And the interesting thing is that nobody ever tells you or teaches you how to do this. Yeah. Right. Nobody. It took me a while to figure out that after looking at my workflow, how do I want to once from when I collect a paper, what are all the steps I go through mm. in handling that paper? You know, and it's from simple things as do you want to collect your papers by calling the student's name so that everything's already in numerical right in student number order. Mm -hmm. Now you've just to maybe taken a little bit more time, but you've saved you some of your personal. time. Sure. Little things like that that make a difference. Mm. So I think it's important to look at that workflow. Mm. But now that we've taken our breather and commented on workflow and non-tech solutions, I think the other um, very loved piece of software, and I think, again, you and I use this, is great piece of software, Evernote. Ah, good. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah. Evernote. Everybody loves Evernote. Yeah, it's fantastic. You want to go ahead and explain it? Um, yeah, Evernote, again, it's one of those apps that... So uh, I can take a breath here. That, uh, that syncs with Dropbox. Uh, and so it is a, it's a, basically it's a note-generating piece of software. Um, but you can, you can type it in. Um, you can use images. You can um, use photos. You can use sound. You can record into it. Um, and if you... Uh, it, it's free. It, there's also a paid version... And the paid version um, is fantastic. When you dump an, a PDF into it, it scans the PDF, turns it to searchable text, um, which can then be you know copied and pasted into, into something else. Um, again, it syncs. Oh, nice. It's fantastic, and it works. I didn't know. I've, I've never used the paid version. Oh, it's, it's fantastic! It's fantastic. Um, How much does it cost? I don't know. It was. It's not expensive. It's it's like twenty dollars maybe. Well, actually, that's a good sign because if you use something and you say, "I don't know how much I pay for," yeah, it, but it was but worth whatever it was. To pay I, for whatever it, it was, really I, worth it's it. worth it. Yeah, uh, and uh, with it, you get like yeah, a, how much did your new Ferrari cost? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, it, it, like we talked about, it uses Dropbox, so of course it syncs across all your devices. So if I'm at home, I type I'm typing something and it finish. Okay, I've got to run. Leave the computer, get on the train, and I pull out my phone. The, the note is there. It doesn't. It doesn't sync through Dropbox. Yeah. It syncs independently, doesn't it? Because mm, mine's not connected to a Dropbox folder, and it's always synchronized. No, no. no by I, but it, the, I think it's. Within I the think app. its API is is synced with Dropbox. Really? Yeah. I don't think you have. You don't do anything. You just say that it's there, right? I'm pretty sure. Well, uh, no, because I, I just downloaded the app on all of my. Again, it's one of those pieces of software that's on every single machine. Oh. By the way, that's a good criteria, if you. When you get a new machine or you're using a different machine, what's the software you immediately install, right? Dropbox is always first. Mm. And Evernote. You're right on, but, you, by the way, you're right on Evernote. It does not use Dropbox. Okay. It's on its own. 
God, it's nice to feel right for once. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> All right, you're going to get me in a minute or two, I'm sure. But Evernote's great, but there's another advantage to Evernote, which is that if you put a picture into Evernote, a, a like a JPEG or something mm. like that, it's and there's a and there's text in that picture, Evernote can actually search images for text. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm. That's fantastic. Mm. But Zotero will also make PDF searchable, by the way. Oh, cool. Cool. Excellent. And um, does that. So that's real nice. The other thing about Evernote also is like, for example, you're in a library, you're in somewhere else, you're on somebody else's computer. Um, you can add a note to Evernote by emailing the Yes, uh, the text or what, the image, whatever it is that you want to put into Evernote to yourself, a special email address, and it'll automatically add that to your Evernote collection. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good thing is that between Dropbox and Evernote, you've got backup, access to your files, note-taking. And I use Evernote a lot to as a web clipper mm -hmm. to save websites and web pages. Ah, Right, because it'll actually take a snapshot ah, of a web page. And how many times have you gone back to the website? What is it, the 404 error? Uh -huh. <laughs> right, that says, I'm sorry, this web page is no longer available. What I use, what I use for the web for that is uh, something called Instapaper. Uh, Instapaper. Instapaper, yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's, okay. uh, it sits in your, it's, uh, it, it, I think on the phone and on the iPad, it's a standalone app. Uh, mm. But it also resides in your browser. Uh, yes. It's a button. And you're on a web page, and uh, you like it. You hit Instapaper, and it goes to Instapaper. It saves the link. It saves the site content, both in its original format and in a simplified, easy-to-read format. Yeah, that's a key thing. It you is. need to really amplify about that. And it works. It works. It's, uh, it's free, um, and you can get uh, some small additional functionality by tossing the developer a bone. Sorry, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I use Instapaper also. Um, and here's it's a, another great thing. I thought Instapaper, read it later. Yes. Yep. And Pocket, which is, I think, the read it later version on I, iPads and iPhones. But Instapaper, what I love is when I'm reading a long article mm -hmm. on the web. Mm -hmm. And Instapaper will reformat it into a readable form without any of the extraneous... Um, sidebars, pictures, advertisements, or anything along those lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I use that all the time. And you can link Instapaper. This I don't know. Do you use a Kindle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, I, by you the know, way, I don't people, use a Kindle. I use the Kindle app on on the iPad. Okay. For those people who don't have a Kindle by itself, it's great. It's because it's a standalone device, and unless you have like the Kindle Fire, all you can do is read. And that, I find, is beneficial for me. So because if I'm reading something on my iPad, I'll check my email, I'll do something else. But when I'm reading with the Kindle, I'm just reading. But you can link Instapaper to your Kindle, and it will then send the articles to um, through Amazon to your Kindle. Mm, that's good. That's nice. And I have a lot of reading. And um, by the way, good websites, things like Long Reads, by the way, mm -hmm. Great, mm -hmm. you know, long reads on the web, excellent reading. So those are suggested. Okay, um, 
What else, Tony? We got Evernote, we got Dropbox. Well, I thought um, you we, said... when you were talking about the open source and about the projection, I thought you were going to kind of get it more into to the mind mapping C-map. thing. Yeah, yeah, the CMAP. You've got, I was you got go you, there. Yeah, you got an open source thing there. CMAP, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you sent it's me there. I looked, at, I looked at the web. I looked at the website. I didn't get past the website. Yeah, the I, website's terrible. Oh god, that's, no! I don't want this on. <laughs> Whatever these guys put together, I'm sure it works. Yes. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's actually, it's IHMC CMAP Tools mm. is what it's officially called. It'll call it CMAP, but you're right. The website, to figure out how to download something off the website is just a pain. But <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah, yeah, okay, I, I understand. <laughs> I'm usually like that. I'm usually like mm. that. But that shows you how much I like this piece of software. Mm, good point. Yeah, um, I use something, the equivalent of commercial um, thing, a very, very pretty application uh, called MindNode. Yes, um, yeah. and uh, the one thing it doesn't do that, that that I noticed that your CMAP does is um, it doesn't automatically have that little label on the lines between the balloons. Of, yes, uh, that's what I wanted to get into. Yeah, that so looked this nice. Might, this might sound a little weird to people because we're going to be trying to describe a visual thing and this. Um, with these technical with terms like bubbles and lines. terms, et cetera. But everybody, I think, is familiar with mind mapping, right? So you, you've got the software, and it'll immediately generate a circle in the center, which you type into, and then you click, and it generates another line, and it generates another circle, a little bubble you can type into, and you can make your mind map, your idea map. The thing that CMAP does is it inserts a little square into the middle of each of those connecting arrow lines. And how you use that is you write in words that, for example, relates to, yeah, is some caused kind of function, by, yeah. some kind of functional word that makes the students really think. And you, can, you don't have to put anything into those little boxes. And students can use it as a way of brainstorming, but afterwards that they arrange their ideas and think through their ideas, they can then put the connecting or functional words into those little boxes. And I find that it really improves my students' critical thinking. Mm, mm. And the other thing that I was going to say is that I use CMAP now, in, and I don't use PowerPoint, but I put these CMAP little idea maps up on the board. Mm -hmm. And I use those as my lecture notes and students can then see how the different ideas connect. Mm. And it also has that wonderful, does uh, you use MindNode, right? Yes. Yeah. Will MindNode automat auto, auto format? So it, after you've done all your mind mapping, it'll actually put everything into nice arranged like trees and everything looks yes. really pretty. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can rearrange it at will. Okay, and CMAP will actually auto-format and make everything look very clean. Mm. And so that's my PowerPoint substitute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've asked students about that, and they really like it. And by the way, talking about great pieces of software, throw away your PowerPoint and go to Prezi. Prezi? Have you seen Pre no. Prezi? No. Prezi is excellent. P-R-E-Z-I. It basically, it's, it's the, it has an incredible wow factor. You know, how often could you use software nowadays and people go, wow, that's really cool. Prezi is presentation software. And what it does is it allows you to zoom in and out. So it, it's as if you have all your presentation notes on a giant piece of paper and you can zoom into each spot or zoom out to look and it looks like the ideas are connecting free for educators a very very nice visual presentation software tool hmm no because i didn't know I have, this one yeah I think check I've, it out i think i've heard of it but i've never looked at it it's very nice huh. 
It's very nice. And in the same way, because I prefer to use CMAP, is that students can see the connection between the ideas, mm. right? They get actually a visual, a graphic representation of how ideas connect to each other, you know, how far down in a certain level, because I am so sick of PowerPoint presentations. And if I see another bullet point, I'm going to And it's die. got an iPad app, too. I just looked at it on the web. Looks nice. That looks like a nice one. Yes, it, it's a very nice thing, and I do not like PowerPoint. No, and no, nobody does. Right? It's lin. Well, I call it PowerPointless yeah, now. Yeah. And dear Microsoft, please don't attack <laughs> me for that. But the, I don't. I'm tired of going to presentations or listening to my students talk, and their slides are terrible, and they read their slides. And I think PowerPoint is terrible in a presentation class. By the way, this Air, is an example idea, of yeah. what software yeah, not to use. Yeah, yeah. PowerPoint allows people not to have to learn how to yeah, be Yeah, absolutely. Speaker, right? The room is dark. You get to talk to the screen. So I don't allow my students in any oral presentation classes, oral communication classes, um, academic presentations in English to use any kinds of slides until halfway through mm. the semester. And um, we have to send out a, um, the, the guy. What's his name? You know him. The guy who does presentations. Yes, that's that website. Presentations in has some very good stuff on how to make mm. good slides. Yeah, that's that is really the the presentation book. Present uh, the presentation book. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, very it, good. it really is about will change how you actually design and approach visual representation. And if you're really interested um, in visual in how to use visual representations of data, who's the guy in TED? Um, Hans Rosling, mm. right? is the guy who does all the great stuff about, he has these moving um, graphs and charts, and it's called Gapminder, mm. I believe. But um, Prezi mm. is really I'm good. i look at that one. And yeah. I suggest, yeah, and I suggest people to start using things like CMAP as a way for your students to be able to follow the structure of your yeah. lectures. I think, you know, it, it, yeah, listen to this talk, I think what probably we should maybe plan ahead for is to maybe... Choose plan ahead. Choose what does that two mean? Or, you know, choose a handful <laughs> of these different apps and really kind of give an in-depth look at how we use them and what uh, what's possible and how to exploit things that are there. Um, yeah, because this sounds mm. pretty interesting to me, anyway. To us, well, actually, that's mm. a good thing for people who are listening. Let us know what do you think. Is there software you'd like us to cover and go into depth about how we use it rather than today is like a yeah, yeah, approach. really kind of. Right. I mean, I'm looking at my application. Well, we folder. struggled. We struggled, and right? <laughs> it was like we we, want, we wanted to begin to start to do some kind of approach to to tech in the classroom, but it's just such an overwhelming volume of stuff to get it into one podcast is really kind of intimidating. Yeah, I don't know how well we did. Yeah, it's a good question because it really depends what you want. I mean, I'm thinking, um, what's another good piece? Screenflow. Mm -hmm. Right, which is a screen okay. capture makes movies of uh, your your whatever you're doing on your computer incredibly handy when you want students to like access a website and you want to make sure they understand mm -hmm. how make to a do little it. movie sure. they can watch you right and you can do a lot of things um, yeah you know it's hard because you bounce between hardware software and how you use those things well I think I mean to to step back again and saying well yeah there's there's all this great tech out there and one thing you get to keep in mind is to not be falsely seduced by something because a lot of it is so cool, it's so neat, but 
just because it's a great tool doesn't mean it's going to get done what you need getting done. Um, and whether or not the students yeah, will benefit yeah. from What's, it you know, either. Keep, your, keep focused on the point. Like, what is it that you're trying to do? Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, selectivity. Um, well, what would be the criteria there, Tony? That's a good thing to go through. I mean, my first thing is, is it going to improve Is it going to improve learning? learning, and is it going to make your job easier? Period. Yeah, and it's going to save me time. And then you have to measure that about right, the learning right, curve. Right. Because there are some things that are just incredibly difficult to use. Like Zotero is not the easiest thing to learn. But once mm-hmm. you learn it, wow, the time saving is just frightening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and tell you, a general right. thing about that, not so much learning curve, but in terms of setup time and things that later on pay off. Um, we talked about this before. and It's, it's basic um, spreadsheets. Regardless of what you yes. use, Excel That's... numbers or uh, uh, you know open source alternative spreadsheets. Um, I don't know how people do grades without spreadsheets. Well, somebody um, came up to me and asked me about this. They said they saw that I was using an iPad and they say, "What do you think about um, a piece of a you per, an app that you can buy that'll handle grades?" And I said, "To set up a spreadsheet." And I was amazed. The person says, "Yes, they enter all their grades yeah. by hand." And I'm like, what? And, do you, and then I asked, do you actually sit down with a calculator at the end? And they said, yeah. And I like, I have you do, same thing, right? The spreadsheet set up, and it has the formulas, which will just say, okay, classwork equals 25% of the grade. Add that to the 25% participation grade and the 50%, you know, midterm and final. And as long as you're diligent and you enter your grades every mm. week. It's amazing. On the last day of class, you enter those final presentations or those final tests, and you just click, yeah, you boom, don't. and your your grades are there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if anyone is out there is not using spreadsheets, strongly suggest you move to that. It, it's an unbelievable yeah. time saver. And then the other and, thing is just, yeah, workflow. You know, really look at what you're doing, um, what you're trying to do, how you're doing it, what are the steps. Uh, can you combine some of those steps? Can you reorder them? Uh, can you cut something out? Um, maybe adding some one step allows you to take three out. You know, just uh, really look yes. and see what you're doing and where you're trying to get, and take a look at that process very carefully. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe a piece of software will help you. Maybe it won't. Yes, and you talk about workflow, and it's really true. I'm thinking about. Um, your email program, whatever email program you're using, set up your email properly and think about workflow about how you're handling oh, messages. Yeah, filters and, and, and boxes, really, filters and smart, and smart mailboxes, all kinds of stuff that you can do with it. Yeah, and I think maybe in that sense, Gmail is mm-hmm. one of the best things. Gmail has, I think, some very, very nice filter functions and folders. There's not functions. too many bad ones. I mean, whatever people are using, they're using Outlook is very powerful. Apple's Mail is powerful. Gmail is cool. Um, yeah, I use Thunderbird. Again, mm. open source. There I am again. So I guess. The other thing that is also helpful is Skype mm. for talking mm-hmm. with students. I actually give out a, my Skype name to my students and let them ask questions if they see me online. And they love that. Very few. They don't use it mm-hmm. very often. And only some of my students. That'll will, probably change over nice time. To... They get a little more familiar with it, a little more comfortable with it. Right. But Skype's yeah. real good. So I think uh, I'd like to hear from people what they think, what software we yeah, like. Yeah, that would be depth about how we use. Because I'm just thinking Excel mm. tricks, mm. Mm. right? Or the fact that I think I would actually go out and buy numbers now because of uh, that 
paper f- or the fo- the yeah, and the and, and um, numbers also has a bunch of stuff that I have not explored, but with um, kind of like smart cells and smart equations and things, they can project and put in hypotheticals, and it'll create things based on like conditional cells and stuff. It's it's really powerful. Yes. I, I, again, I don't I have don't know enough to really speak to it, but it looks really sweet. Right, and I think all the software we've described. Even if you don't become a power user, will still yeah. save you time and be incredibly yeah. useful. Yeah, it. everything that we mentioned today is is field tested. <laughs> yes, field tested by at least one you know yeah. fool, so that would be me. So, okay, so I think we've covered a lot, Tony, and now we have the present big time huh? for everybody. So yeah, we've got some. It's we're going to get to yeah, play. Yeah, Santa we've Claus got some here. good stuff from very some very generous uh, developers and software companies, and we've got some stuff. Um, what we've got is um, we've got one. I talked about Text Expander. That is the uh, the application that uh, allows you to save blocks of text and paste them in with uh, key combinations. Just been updated. Um, we have one uh, free uh, code for for that uh, from the people at Smile Software, SmileSoftware.com. So you can um, put in for for one of those. We've got uh, three codes for MindNode. That's the uh, mind mapping software that I mentioned, the, the commercial version, the pretty one. And uh, from the, the good folks at Dropbox, um, 10, 10 coupons, each of them good for two gigabytes of free storage. So, wow. yeah. Can I get one of those? Uh, well, we'll see. I don't know. Okay. We don't, how I do think we, we have 10, how, we have 10 listeners out there. <laughs> how do we give well, these away? Let's, why don't you go through the process? How 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 are we getting to play Santa Claus? What do people okay. have to do? Do they have to tell us how they've been naughty and um, nice? Like that, but whatever they tell, whatever you confess to, uh, <laughs> maybe not. Has maybe to be not. in it. Uh, send us an email, okay? And that's at um, uh, two teachers talking at gmail dot com. Uh, two teachers talking at gmail dot com. Be sure to include your name, unlike our students who often send us emails without any kind of self identification. Um, and in the the subject header, uh, tell us what you want. Uh, we've got the three. We got the three software. We got uh, Text Expander, uh, MindNode, and uh, Dropbox. Uh, make sure that we get the email before Friday, July thirteenth. Oh, let's say midnight, eleven well, actually, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to be up checking and making sure that that's a file. It should come to us before we check the email. By Saturday morning? How's All that? right. That's fine. Fine. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's Friday night. I don't uh, – I want to be – Friday night, I don't know. I'll probably uh, be sitting down with a glass of wine with my wife and having a chat or doing something. Okay. So, okay. So, this is amorphous little rule. Dawn to, Saturday. <laughs> May dawn on Saturday. Morning okay. Saturday, July 14th. And people put – they send it to two teachers talking at gmail.com and in the subject line they get to choose one of those and software. We'll, yeah. One software that they want. They can't choose right, three, just choose, right? Yeah, don't be greedy. And then we will put those and what are we gonna do? Print the names out and put it into a paper bag, shake up the paper bag. And... Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I wonder what's maybe the you can maybe you can find that. a piece of software that'll do that for us. Right. So, well, actually, that actually would be a good one if it does exist, because people we could use that in class all the time. Yeah, random generators for all okay. sorts well, of things. It's kind of like a random number homework. generator. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, so people are going to send if you want some of that software. And by the way, we're actually, this is just a kind of a favor we're asking for people. If you are listening, and even if you're not necessarily interested in the software, please send us an email so that we can get an idea as to how many people are listening yeah, to Yeah, and also what you would want to hear. Um, yes, know, yes. So, and we got our ideas, but, uh, you know, if it's all a one-way street, it, it's, it, I think it loses interest real fast. It helps us, for us to know what people are interested, what they want to know. Good point. So if you're listening, and we'd really appreciate it if you would just send us an email, and it could even be a blank email, that'll just give us an idea that you're a listener, and we can count up and find out that we have like four yeah, people Yeah, like, you know, where, you know, where you are, and what kind of teaching you're doing, and what kind of experience you've got. Um, the, the, the better, what, the better we know the audience, the, the better job we can do, so... That's a good point. If, you, if you're if you willing to give us, you know, spend some time and tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you working in universities, high schools, junior high schools? Are you in Japan, out of Japan, right? Those would be very, very helpful um, bits of information so that we can fine-tune the podcast and deliver something that's um, attuned to what your okay. needs are. All right. And then next All time right. we'll be talking about, uh, it's that time of the year, huh? No, 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 no. It's grades. not. It's not. It's, is it? Grades oh, and grading. God. Isn't that every teacher's oh, bane? Isn't that the worst, is the part, worst of the part of the job? I hate grading. I don't know. Do you hate grading? I despise it. I despise well, luckily, it. Luckily, we use oh. spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, but I think all we need, is, all we need a is a program bit. to read those damn papers. And grade oh, yeah. the papers. I think that's called a teaching oh. assistant. <laughs> and yeah, if you're interested in a job okay. as a teaching assistant, just send your application to <laughs> two teachers talking at gmail.com. Yes, okay, hold on. <laughs> I want to be a teaching assistant and I want to do it out of my love of teaching and I don't need to have any financial remuneration. <laughs> yes, definitely. Please send that out to two teachers talking and we will anxiously fight over the one of you who does that. And uh, okay. one, one so, last Tony, addition too, that uh, something new sure. that we've got, um, you mentioned Skype, but you didn't mention that we also are now on Skype at surprise surprise uh, two teachers talking uh, so if you give us your feedback uh, email you can also give us your feedback on Skype and um, we can leave us, leave a, message. us a message you might hear yourself on the air someday s- send a text message yeah we're going to try to figure out if there seems to be enough demand for that if people give us feedback because a couple of people I know have said that they wish that they could call well, in now they can in like old radio shows, yes, and so we'll have to actually start having to start announcing our recording mm. times, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll see how it goes. All right. <laughs> yes, but first we'll see whether or not we get any yeah. responses. <laughs> yeah, cart before the horse. That's true. Okay, so Tony, I'm going to begin yeah. my Saturday. A little hint about when yeah. we're recording. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and we'll talk to you soon. So next time, great okay, so once again, um, free software, email by Saturday morning. I guess that's it. To two teachers talking at gmail.com. We're on iTunes, two teachers talking. Please look us up. Please give us a, a rating if you'd like or any comments and any other things we want that's to add. It. Okay, Tony. Well, be well and talk to you Alrighty, back soon. To work. All right. Back to work. Yes. Bye.